45% of Americans have no investable assets and they're fucked. I mean, point blank period, yes. right? Yeah, uh, yes, they are. And they don't even know it, which is like the worst type of uh, dire financial position. The other thing is obviously there's a huge debt crisis in America, uh, whether it's student loans or other types of debt. Uh, and so I always say to folks that like the rules of this game are pretty simple. It's like spend less than you make, get the hell out of debt, mm. make sure that you get invested, be super patient and just chill. This is the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast, a show where average Joe firefighters explore the most important monetary technology of the 21st century. We talk Bitcoin, we talk finance, and we talk shit. What is up, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast. This week, Josh and myself, Dan, had the privilege to chat with the one, the only, Anthony Pompliano as well as his brothers Joe and John Pompliano. Pomp is an entrepreneur and tech investor, and he hosts the well-known Pomp Podcast, which has been downloaded over 20 million times. Pomp also writes a daily email newsletter on business, finance, Bitcoin, and we can attest it's chocked full of substantive and timely material. This chat you're about to hear was the two of us joining Pomp and his brothers on The Best Business Show, which they host weekdays at 11 a.m. Eastern. This rip session was a rowdy one, the five of us discuss a number of topics, including why Bitcoin is an empowerment tool for the middle class, our journey so far on the Blue Collar Bitcoin podcast, why mustaches are the new laser eyes, who would win in a pomp family brawl, strange and challenging sexual dilemmas, and much more. All the aforementioned pomp material, including each of their Twitter handles, will be linked down in the show notes. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at blue underscore collar BTC. And if you are regularly listening and enjoying the show, you can help us grow our reach by liking, subscribing, and most importantly, leaving us a review. This here episode of the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast is powered by CoinKite, makers of simply the best Bitcoin security hardware in the business. The cold card is a one-stop shop, ironclad, air-gapped, verifiable source code hardware wallet suited for Bitcoin cold storage beginners all the way up to pros. Rest assured, we are not going to rep products or services on this show that do not align with our ethos. The two of us have and continue to trust our hard-earned capital in the hands of this device. CoinKite makes a plethora of other products beyond the cold card, including the gorgeous block clock display art device. You can throw Bitcoin price, hash rate, halving dates, market cap, and a ton of other cool metrics up on this puppy. Aside from my wife and kid, this is hands down my favorite thing in the house. Explore all CoinKite products at CoinKite.com. Now, without further ado, here's our chat with the Pop Boys on the Best Business Show meets Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast. All views and language expressed by the hosts and guests in this podcast are solely their personal opinions and do not reflect their employers or organizations they are associated with. Do not treat any of the content in this podcast as investment advice or as an inducement to follow a particular strategy. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. We got the blue collar Bitcoin podcast fellas coming on because what we are going to do, we're going to do like a joint episode. Normally I interview people, Joe and John interview people, but we've never had anyone come on here and ask us questions. So that'd be weird. So instead we're going to do is just have a little conversation. They're going to ask us questions. We're going to ask them questions. We're going to keep going until we get tired of asking each other questions. So why don't like a little Vanna White action, John, why don't we bring them on out? There they are. What's up, fellas? Hey. Hey. What's going on, guys? We're doing fantastic. How are you guys? 
Wonderful, wonderful. Man, with the four, like with the four, four boxes. Yeah, with the four here. boxes, I feel four like boxes. We're, we're, we're killing it right now. I'm glad Where? to see you guys got you guys killed the SoFi ad today. I mean, <laughs> they can't complain about that one. Yeah, I mean, like if you're mad that we're trying to have a good time, then like that's not our fault. Uh where are the mustaches at, boys? You guys are going to my you're going to Bitcoin 2021 without mustaches? Come on. I, what I, is this? I need some time. How long does that one take you to grow out? <laughs> I don't know, but it's majestic. Is it, no is it that, that one that is a stick on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you out. That is a stick on. It looks good though. <laughs> yeah, is that fake? Are you a yeah, cop? It is. Oh, it Thanks is for having us, boys. We're excited to chat. Did you hear what my brother just asked? No, what do you say? Are you a cop? <laughs> <laughs> as far as you know, no, no, we're, we're, we're on the other side of the coin, man. Everybody loves a fireman and cops don't get that same treatment. So that uh, is true. That is very true. Everyone's we like, we get oh, away cop. with absolute murder. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tell us before we get started. So our audience understands what's going on with the blue collar Bitcoin podcast, which by the way, is just a baller ass name for a podcast. But what, yeah. what is, what's the general premise in terms of uh, uh, the episodes you guys do? Yeah, we uh, we've been at this for about a year. This I'm Dan right here. Josh is the uh, unmustached fellow, unmustached and gray. Um, we've been at this about a year. We are both career firefighter paramedics near Chicago. We work together. We're good friends, um, and we've had sort of lifelong passions and interest in finance, econ, philosophy. We uh, have been in Bitcoin since 2017, and. It's more than fun and games for us. We think it's super important. We're uh, convinced that it's key to our demographic uh, surviving the economic pandemic ahead. And we've been privileged enough to talk to some people that we've respected and read and and been diving into for a long time over the last year. So uh, we're just we're just exploring as organically as we can. We're being ourselves and and diving into the implications of this paradigm shifting protocol. I, I love it. Do the other uh, firefighters you guys work with get it or do they think you're crazy? We, uh, we've been in a years long process of figuring that out for them. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think they thought we were crazy initially. And at this point, I mean, obviously number go up technology has helped make us look a little bit smarter than five years ago, but um, it's, it's uh, people are getting it. You know, people are starting to understand that you shouldn't get shaken out when this thing goes down 50% or 80%. And uh, in the long term, it goes up and to the right. So yeah. it's been uh, it's been easier and easier as things go along. We've got uh, the the department we're at. It's about 50, 50 uh, firefighter paramedics. We got nodes running. We got cold cards galore. And oh, I'll tell you boys this much: <laughs> yeah. if this thing does anything remotely close to what we're expecting, there may be a wave of unexpected retirements about twenty thirty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, what what is this? Uh, the name of the city or the town? We uh we do not dox that information, okay. unfortunately. There's somewhere near Chicago. We'll like, tell oh, you that much. Shit, we better not <laughs> yeah. fire a yeah. whole fire department quit. <laughs> they, there's a whole village secession planning model. Like we've got 16 firemen that we presume have this much Bitcoin. Price is here. We got to start replacing some guys. So uh uh I don't know if you guys uh, ever heard the episode I did with Rachel Feinstein, who is uh, a comedian, and she's married to uh, a New York City uh, fire chief. And so she told me this hilarious story. She's like, when I first met him, uh, all the firemen would come over to uh, the house and they'd be like, you know, hey, Billy, fuck the government. <laughs> like, hey, Billy, I read this conspiracy theory on the Internet. What do you think? Oh, <laughs> right? All the conspiracy theories, man, alive and well in the firehouse. Like they are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
we've got guys that are into ancient aliens that take this stuff like this is gospel. Like, <laughs> I think there there's is, a Bible of ancient aliens in that firehouse somewhere. <laughs> Gentlemen, there is nothing rowdier on planet Earth than shift change coffee at a firehouse. I mean, it is, it is rambunctious. If you guys think yeah, you're rambunctious, you got to drop by at about 8 a.m. at our agency. It gets nuts. I can only imagine the things that get said inside of a firehouse around this stuff. And, and she was telling me the story because she was like, by the way, they all love Bitcoin because they just they're they're questioning everything right nonstop all the time. They question everything. And so Bitcoin is this like source of truth. So help us understand in terms of what's been the biggest uh, like question that the other firefighters have had. Have they been uh, more concerned about the technology? Do they just think it's like a Ponzi scheme? Like, what, what's the biggest like obstacles in their mind? I think the biggest obstacles uh, are are basically what everyone experiences, which is when they start understanding this, they start going down the rabbit hole, and then these shiny objects that we all call shit coins get involved, and they start following those into you know spending just putting tons of money into random uh, low liquidity shit coins and and getting wrecked eventually. That is the biggest problem that we see, and that's primarily why we started this thing and why we are so. We think it's so imperative to help people understand why Bitcoin is very different from the rest of these assets, because it's very easy to get distracted by a whole lot of other smaller, nonsensical things in the space. Uh, NFTs come to mind, ICOs in 2017. And uh, each one of these times that the price pumps, there's always a new uh, shiny object that people seem to chase off of a cliff. And so our um, we're, what we're trying to do is basically guide people away from that the, the lemmings jumping off the cliff uh, into something with some subs, some substance and uh, help them help put some guide rails up so people don't end up getting hurt. I, I think the other thing too, Pomp Boys, is that, you know, we're not trying to make enemies and we're, we're on this learning journey with anyone else. We're not looking to be dogmatic and close-minded, but we are saying in this space, you got to, you know, that Fidelity just released, released this piece, I don't know, a couple months ago, Bitcoin first. And I think our message to a lot of our listeners and peers is, hey, understand the implications of this protocol first. And then you can branch out from there if you so choose. But you know, we're in a, we're as members of the middle class, median wage wage earners. We just don't have cash flow to waste. You know what I mean? So a lot of what we're trying to do is push people down the learning journey. You know, don't do what we're saying necessarily. We're here to try to motivate you to go learn and understand and grow on your own. And fortunately, I you know, having been in this since 2017. The, the space is so much more right. There's so much more education material. It just, it just abounds. And uh, there's many places to go to learn more about macro, monetary history, Bitcoin, altcoins, the whole gamut. When people come to you guys in the firehouse, what do you tell them to go do first? Read books. Yeah. Um, we've got a list of articles and books. Um, I think I've filled notebooks full of them already. But I mean, it's a lot of the major ones like the Bitcoin standard. Um, so uh, the bullish case for Bitcoin is a couple that come to mind. Um, a one that I love, which is probably something that most people would just fall asleep reading, but it's really good, is uh, Nick Zabo's uh, shelling out piece. If uh, if anyone listening hasn't read that and they're interested in the history of money, amazing piece. I mean, he goes back thousands of years from the beginnings and um, kind of helps you understand why money is really just a, a mental construct we all agree on. And um, that's something that it's kind of like a that old tail of the fish in water doesn't realize it's swimming in water because it's been in it its whole life. The money that we use today is really only 50 years old or so, and um, it can change quickly. 
and um, understanding that these mental models can change because it's all about trust. Yeah. What is the thing you trust? Everything Dalio has ever written is uh, early in our recommendation. Just a holistic, basic understanding of macro. Like Lynn Alden's blog is unbelievably high on our list just because you know, Lynn Alden is, first of all, the intellectual integrity is off the charts. The genius is off the charts, but she's also approachable. She's the kind of writer and thinker that a firefighter who spent 40 hours learning macro can still kind of trace through her articles. Um, but yeah, as Josh said, the, the first order of business isn't haul out and buy Bitcoin. It's, hey, start asking some fundamental questions about what's going on in the economic landscape around you and then begin the learning journey. And then obviously we think Bitcoin fits in that equation, but don't trust verify, baby. Go do your own homework. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? I, I know one of the things that you guys spent a lot of time on and, and would be valuable to talk about is this idea of like Bitcoin's role for the average American or like the hardworking uh, average American. And when you think about this, how much, and, and my brothers and I have talked about it a ton, is like there's the investment case. There's the like censorship and, and seizureship uh, resistance as a, uh, as a value proposition. But to me, it seems like the most uh, simple way to wrap your head around this is just savings technology, mm. right? It's like the average American isn't worried whether they should be or not, but they're just not worried about somebody not allowing them to transact or coming and confiscating their wealth. And again, maybe they should be, but just if you go and you polled the average American, they're not going to say that is a concern for them. They also, for the most part, uh, the average, it does not think that they are going to uh, the casino and going to triple their money overnight, some younger mm -hmm. people that maybe they do think that, but like the average person who just goes to their job every day doesn't think that. And so is that aligned with kind of how you guys have seen people talk about this and kind of wrap their head around it? It's just like, oh, okay, I've been told my entire life that I should save my way to financial security, but it seems like if I do that in dollars, it ends up getting eroded away because of inflation or, or uh, I have this feeling if I can't get ahead. Now, if I do it in this new uh, asset, then there's some ability for me actually to preserve my wealth. Or how do you guys you know, kind of have those conversations right now. Uh, I love, yeah, we resonate massively with everything you just said. I think uh, what makes us slightly unique in this space, and I don't mean to undermine everybody else's experiences with, with what's going on with debasement and inflation, but we are in a subset of earners that we are feeling this right now, right? We're, we are feeling inflation, right? And, and when you think about real wages and the implications of, you know, 7.9 CPI prints that show no sign of abatement and our wages are going up, let's say one to 3% a year, you have declining real wages, you have asset price inflation that impacts people's ability to say buy homes. You know, We talk on our show a lot about how I've been on five years, Josh has been on 10, even since we got on and bought our houses. It's different for guys we have on probation that are trying to buy homes, right? Things are changing rapidly for middle-class members. Um, and you need to do something to protect yourself, both from the implications of a long-term debt cycle unwind and um, pension risk, right? We talk a lot on our show about pensions. We just had Foss and Pish on, I don't know, a few weeks ago talking specifically about pensions and just the implications of fixed income exposure mandates. And uh, if the system really implodes, that's in jeopardy. And that's what a lot of people are relying on. So this is far more from just a fun theoretical joke for us that we really, the yeah. two of us believe strongly and have for years now that this is uh, insurance on the traditional fireman investment account, if you will. And even to jump in and uh, on a very simple level, the incentives behind this make saving so much more uh, 
aggrandized for people like people mm. traditionally saving with dollars they're even even though they may not realize it they're they're watching they're buying they're purchasing power you know just dissolve but when they're over the longer period of a couple of years watching the the amount of money they've saved in bitcoin increase in value in dollar terms it incentivizes the saving um on a much grander scale and we see that at work too like people are dcaing in more and more as they understand um the implications of all this and that they're actually um, getting ahead by saving in Bitcoin instead of in a money market paying them 0.02% at Chase or you know whatever their alternative is. It's this is the best savings technology available if you have the uh, the balls to just withstand those 50% drawdowns. You just have to be you have to be educated well enough to understand that this is a long term proposition and you can't be shaken out of it at 50% down and then you'll be rewarded. I think the other thing along this line to, to that, that needs to be introduced is we have seen, gents, that this does change financial behavior. Um, it changes time preference, right? As you learn and grow and understand Bitcoin, it, it uh, lengthens your time preference. It is a great, you know, we, we often call it a financial decomplexifier. The current system is so complicated and there's so much you need to know and understand to even stay above water. You know, Bitcoin really simplifies that. And then, you know, this is going on more long term, but we believe firmly Bitcoin will restore an actually sensible, non clownish cost of capital, which will probably disincentivize unproductive debt to some extent, which we also see a lot of our peers involved in, right? There's a, there's a time and place to have productive debt, but if you're driving cars you can't afford, buying homes you shouldn't have, and financing TVs, your cash flow isn't freed up to buy productive assets. And part of the reason people are incentivized to do those things is because interest rates are manipulated so low and we're not looking at a true cost of capital. So the implications of how this affects portfolio performance and investment behavior are, they're tremendous, we feel, for us and our demographic. Yeah, absolutely. When you start to think about pay, uh, I, I hopefully I'm not wrong on this, but I think that your pay is determined as, as a firefighter by the uh, local or state government, depending on uh, kind of what the, the network is that you're in. And it's set at predetermined percentages as part of the annual budget. And therefore, if inflation explodes, they don't necessarily have the ability to come and change pay uh, to react to that economic environment. So when you have kind of a pegged pay, it's not like you guys can show up, you know, the fire chief and be like, hey, you know, big dog, I need I need a 5% raise. There's no ability, right? Uh, there's no ability for them to do that. No, that's absolutely true. Um, the way ours works is we're based... Uh, Basically, they cho- they choose a bunch of comparable fire departments in the area, and they they give us the I think we're number three out of like ten, and so we get slotted in right in the number three spot between ten other departments around us. So, and yeah, nobody's getting eight percent raises to keep up with inflation. I can guarantee that. Yeah, it's yeah. going to probably be and a two point three percent or something. Yeah. And and to be fair to the private, like that's not unique to us. Everybody's going to la- real wages are going to lag for most people. Obviously, we have. Uh, some people suckling from the QE, what's going to be yield curve control teat. Um, but in terms of like, at, you know, most salaried employees, public and private, um, you can bet your bottom dollar, your real wages are going to lag. Um, but they have to, there's just a, there's a mathematical guarantee. I know you guys talk about this on the show all the time. There is a mathematical guarantee that we're going to be in a, unless you're positioned properly, a harmfully inflationary environment for the foreseeable future. Correct. 
Uh, when you guys tell folks that you're into Bitcoin and also a firefighter, does that make them more interested? Like, I always think of this idea of like, if a Wall Street banker in the suit and tie, cologne, slick back hair, you know, the shitty fake watch, like they step out and they're like, let me tell you about this financial investment. People are like, I'm good, man. Like, like I, I just, I, I'm out of here. But when you hear it from not your friend, because you're, again, you don't believe your friend, you don't believe like your parents when you're a young kid or whatever, but it's somebody in the community that you respect. And I put firefighters up there. Does that change the conversation at all from what you guys have seen? Or do people not really look at the occupation as part of the conversation? And they're just like, oh, here's two guys who seem to have a, a good understanding of kind of economics and, and what's going on in the world. Um, I'll take, I think that, um, at least the guys we work with, they, I think they understand that the two of us have done our homework a bit as far as Dan said at the top of this, that, you know, the two of us are into economics, finance and all that stuff. And it, this has been a long journey for me before Bitcoin and the same for Dan, we've both been, uh, invested in, you know, the S and P 500. We haven't really been stock pickers traditionally, but, uh, understanding the way money works. Like I've been huge into Austrian econ for years. And, and I thought gold was going to be the thing that was going to save the system until 2016, 17, when I understood the implications of Bitcoin and what this actually means for things like gold, which are, you know, barbarous relics, uh, as some central bankers would have called them. But the, the, I think the thing that gives us some gravita in this, at least with the people that we know is just the simple fact that we've both dove down deeply into some of the books that, of guys like Ray Dalio and tried to have a real holistic understanding of macroeconomics, uh, which I think is fundamental for having any idea of where this is going and why, most importantly, why. Um, Dan, you got anything? I think it can cut both ways. Um, you can kind of have the assumption that it's unlikely we're going to have something to contribute. That could be on one side of it. You also have a hardcore uh, libertarian bent in the Bitcoin community. So a couple ha, municipal government employees talking about Bitcoin can uh, rub people the wrong way. But then I think on the other side, there is something uh, unusual, let's say, uh, that unexpected about a couple firemen barking this hard about this. And then you know, on our show, I think one of our goals is to have robust, substantive, meaningful conversations, but also make uh, names and people you've heard a lot of in this space more approachable. You know, that's one of our goals with having these people on our show is to uh, explore both the superficial and the the deep. And right. uh, I, I, you know, I think what we do for a living and being sort of down to earth and tactile and in our uh, vocation allows us to be sometimes more approachable for for people that are uh, sick of hearing, not sick of, but tired of hearing the next finance guy talking about Bitcoin. Yeah. When you really boil this down too, it's, this is an innovation that takes thousands of hours of study for most people. If they're really going to try to get a grasp of it, you've got everything from economics, the two, you know, the Austrian versus Keynesian. If you want to understand that, that's hundreds of hours of reading and research to understand just that the history of money. And, you know, we talked about the changing world order and shelling out and how those are great resources to understand what money is. That's another couple hundred hours to really get a grasp of that. Um, the game theory, um, reading something from like John von Neumann from uh, basically the guy who invented game theory and understanding the incentive structures are what really matter here. Like if you, if, I forget who said it, but you show me the incentive system. I think it was Charlie Munger and I'll show you an outcome. And that's really like theoretically where this thing goes is 
what, how are the incentives set up? What does that impel people to do? And then you can kind of see, not exactly, but you can get a rough idea of where this is all going. Um, and then the software side of it, the tech side of it, which is, I would say, Dan, in my weakest point, but it's, it's imperative to have at least some, <laughs> at least flimsy grasp of how the software works and why this is so, such an ironclad system. Yeah. When, when you, I, if you don't mind, Pop, I want to flip it over to you. Let's three. do it. What are, what are some of your guys' thoughts, uh, speaking to our audience, about why you think Bitcoin might be an empowerment tool for the middle class? Maybe dive into inflation if you got any fresh thoughts. What, what, are, what are the Pop boys thinking on that side of the microphone for, here? 45% of Americans have no investable assets and they're fucked. I mean, point blank yes. period. Right. Yeah. Uh, yes, they are. And they don't even know it, which is like the worst type of uh, dire financial position is that uh, you think the solution to pursue is to simply save money. And actually, what you're doing is you're making it worse and worse uh, in some way. The other thing is obviously there's a huge debt crisis in America, uh, whether it's student loans or other types of debt. Uh, and so I always say to folks that like the rules of this game are pretty simple. It's like spend less than you make, get the hell out of debt, mm. make sure that you get invested, be super patient and just chill. And like, mm. and they're going to do the work for you. And it sounds too simple, but like the key is actually to be consistent and disciplined over very long periods of time. And so I think that Bitcoin is uh, got this very unique structure, but more important than the structure is that it helps people focus. And when people focus, they then get out of this game of like, oh, how do I go and trade or, or try to do anything that would be uh, quote unquote risky? Instead, all I need to do is go to my job, be great at it, get paid, take that money, spend on whatever I need to uh, from an expense standpoint, and then go and just save. And that Amen. savings type technology uh, allows you over long periods of time. It's no different than real estate, right? If you really think about real estate, now, yes, there's cash flow associated with it and there's you know some uh, uh, tax ramifications uh, that, that can be potentially positive. But at the end of the day, all you're doing is you're dollar cost averaging into a hard asset and you're essentially just arbitraging time so that the dollar gets devalued against the hard asset. So Bitcoin does yeah. as well. And so I think that like that to me is the most powerful piece of this is just getting people to understand money getting them to understand what the challenges are uh, in the financial system. And then just saying like, look, you don't have to be a genius. I think that's what scares people. It's like, oh, I, I don't even know how to, you know, open a stock brokerage account. Well, Robinhood and SoFi and a number of these businesses all solve that by dropping the friction so low. But if you think about what these platforms are having to do, right? And, and the reason why we actually partner with SoFi is it's not just about trading or buying equities. Like it's a whole Whole, it's like a holistic financial experience. And so when you think about it, it's like, how do I get out of debt, right? Well, I got to refinance. I got to be able to get out of that debt so that I can actually have money to invest. How do I get exposure to various financial assets, right? Okay, I've got to figure out how do I get the money? Then also, how do I think about banking? And like, if you really think about the average American, like they go into a bank, the bank screws them, right? Like whether it's because they don't allow them to get upside in certain opportunities or it's because they sell them shitty products. And so when you start to kind of look at all of that and you just boil it down to a first principle standpoint, like what is the problem? It's corruption of the money. And the yeah. incentives get tossed Absolutely. in the wrong direction. And so now it becomes a zero-sum game. And in that zero-sum game, guess what? One person versus a corporation, good luck, right? And I think that to me is like the big thing. And, and so I always sum it up with, uh, a statement that everyone always like, oh my God, that's, such, that's so bombastic. But I, I genuinely believe this. 
the adoption of Bitcoin globally will do more positive impact than all global philanthropy combined. Mm, And the reason being, it's the only first principle solution to a wide range of problems, which is if you uncorrupt the money, you set us back on the right path. And what other thing affects 45% of Americans and changes and closes that wealth inequality gap? There's nothing. Yeah. And then, and then to zoom out, uh, you know, to internationally beyond these domestic issues we're exploring. Like we had Gladstein on last year and the freedom implications, the liberation implications of this technology are an absolute mindfuck. I mean, it is crazy what you got 3 billion people globally that are unbanked and they're never going to be banked. You know, that's what, that's what the crazy thing is. You look at the uptick of peer-to-peer usage on Bitcoin in say Nigeria and, and countries in Africa. They are going to absolutely leapfrog the banking system because of this technology. And it is mind-blowing. And you got, you know, I had my I had my dad over the other night who I've been working on hard for years and he's starting to get this. And what really, really brought this home for him and really clicked, this was just two nights ago, was seeing Jack Dorsey and Alex Gladstein on the main stage last year at Bitcoin 2021. And Jack saying, there's going to be nothing else like this in my lifetime. Talking about him and Jay-Z doing work in Africa and saying, I'm, I'm dedicating the rest of my life to this technology. It is magnificent what the implications are going to be, not just domestically, but internationally for all people that have been cut off from and disenfranchised as a result of this current exclusionary financial system. It's great to see that that's what, uh, that, that's what uh, puts him over the edge. Right is is to see yeah. the 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 conviction of it. I don't know, Joe John. Well, what do you guys think? I, I was just going to add. It's not even uh, unbanked is certainly a large part of it, but just financial sovereign, sovereignty in general is a huge part of it. We've seen what's happened not only in Russia but in Canada, right, mm. where they're freezing exactly. the bank accounts yes. of of people yeah. that are protesting uh, against things they don't believe in, right? So, just the sovereign individual, I think, is obviously going to be super important, and Bitcoin is a large part of that. Yeah, yeah. The billboard after billboard, as Dan and I like to say, that has been put up in the last couple of months alone is is extremely compelling for anyone paying attention. Um, a country like Canada, which I think most Americans, Dan and I would probably agree, are we view them as Americans almost. I mean, they're just above, you know, they're right over the border. They're very similar. They have a very similar structure to us. And to watch, you know, a first world Western country censor its uh, censor its citizenry with almost with no cause, just this is what we're doing today because we didn't like what you did yesterday. Uh, no court order, nothing. We're just going to do it. And, uh, and then to see, to see that tran- stuff happen. Yeah. And then to see it recently transcend the individual to the sovereign nation state level. I mean, we're right. no fan of what Putin's up to, but when you can just freeze FX reserves, it doesn't take a genius to realize we're going to a different global settlement layer. I mean, it's yeah. crazy when you think about how, I mean, it's an innovation that's time has come. I, I don't know what else, I don't know what else to say. Um, and it's almost, it can be almost exhausting and infuriating when people have been exposed to it and don't see it, but there, we need to have patience. We've all been there before and it does, it takes a lot of pecks on the head before this thing clicks. And that's how it is for, for most individuals. Pecks on I, the I head was, is such a good description. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it was Laurie on your show the other day that said all these third world or, or developing countries like in Central America, they're having to describe, subscribe to a nuclear power, right? They're going to choose the Eastern or Western side for this because it's going to bifurcate. Um, why wouldn't they choose an independent um, 
structure of money that does, that they can't be censored. I mean, if you subscribe to the Eastern one, now you've got China and potentially Russia being able to censor you. You subscribe to the Western one, the U.S. can censor you. Why would you choose to have any ability to be disintermediated? Just pick the censorship resistant money at the baseline. What do yeah. you guys think? Like, uh, is the is the biggest thing that us certainly, but other people also can do from an education level? Is it just telling people to listen to podcasts and read books and stuff like that. Because in my mind, right, like, and I think your guys too, this makes a ton of sense once you start to do the homework and you understand that uh, maybe you have to do a thousand hours or a hundred hours or whatever it is, but you start to get it, right? And I think at some point, it's just how many more people can we tell about it? How many more people can understand it? So is it just yeah. uh, education in your mind or is there something else for the average individual? I think personally, it's something different for everybody. So just ex exposing yourself to as much as possible in order to cast a wide net, I guess I would say, because eventually you're going to run across that one article for, for Dan's father. It was listening to Dorsey and Alex Gladstein. And for me personally, it was reading the book Sapiens back in 2017. There was a, there was a chapter on digital currency in there and I'd heard of Bitcoin, but after having heard a couple of times about Bitcoin, two pecks on the head, you know, and reading that chapter in that book, something just clicked. And I, I had an, I just had to read it everything I could find on it. But that was the moment where it happened for me. And I don't know what it is for most people. It's probably very different for people just depending on their disposition, what it is they're interested in. But I would say if you have any interest in this at all, try to just read a wide range of things because one of those things is probably going to be the, the linchpin that finally sets you off on the right angle. As you guys yeah. talk more and more about Bitcoin, I'm sure the community around you has like basically seen you as, hey, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's more educated than I am. Let me reach out to him. Why are people reaching out to you guys if they are um, about Bitcoin? Is it the price appreciation? Is it the technology mm. aspect of it? Like, why, why do people come to you guys or just like think about Bitcoin in general? I, I think that we, people are more aware of artificiality in the system right now than they ever have been before. You know, yeah. I've been in, I'm 32 years old, so I've now been investing for roughly 10 years. It, it's the ball is really rolling downhill and, and there's, there's more things to grab onto right now. So you're seeing people ask fundamental questions like, hey, during one of the biggest economic crises of the last hundred years, global pandemic, why is my fucking retirement account at all time highs? You know what I mean? These are, these are things that, that aren't making sense to me. How, why is my house up 28% in one year? There's just more evidence right now. Why is meat twice as expensive as it was six months ago. What, why are get, there's more uh, entry points. There's more touch points that where people are recognizing there's something going on bigger than they understand, which I think is prompting people to want to learn more. So that's one side. The other side is just number goes up, man. I mean, we, we were first started, we were talking about this when it was at four grand in 2017 and it's 10X. So it's, uh, it's just, it's shiny, it's bright. And that is, you know, as much as price can be a deceiver. It's also very important. I, you know, I was drawn to it because it went from a thousand to twenty thousand, right? In that cycle in 2017. And that'll be the same thing when, when we go from whatever our low is here to, you know, new all-time highs. It'll it'll draw people in and that's fine. We've all been there. And those are opportunities to seize. I, I think, you know, Josh said this off the top and and Anthony, you hit on this a second ago. The main priority though is to get people learning because if your habits aren't in order, if you're impulsive and emotional and reactionary, and you think you're going to generate wealth by trading stuff around, you're sorely mistaken. 
And that's the, that's the beauty of this asset is it gives you an opportunity to kind of sit on your hands, man. I mean, we firmly believe if you're in our shoes and you free up your cash flow and you DCA over the next 5, 10, 15 years, you're going to be okay. And it is that financial decomplexifier that allows people to sort of get out of their own way with personal finance. Because we do have a lot of peers who are swing trading and momentum trading and excited about this and excited about that. And they're almost assuredly late to the market. Because if you're a fireman and you're thinking a stock's sexy, you're probably late to the market. You know what I mean? So there's just not that many asymmetric opportunities out there for a firefighter. And I'm here to tell you, this is one of them. And uh, it's a it's a thing of beauty. Tell me more about uh, the nodes. Do you guys have miners? Like, what's going on in the firehouse in terms of uh, uh, what I would consider not just the knowledge, but the actual like activity that that's going on there? We, we uh, we've got Dan's got a node running. I I think we've got like five or six guys running nodes at this point. Miners are just out of reach for a lot of people because you know they're yeah. twelve thousand dollars for uh, an S nineteen at this point plus. The fact that residential power is 11 or 15 cents a kilowatt hour, whatever it is, it's almost, it's almost pointless. You might as well just buy. Just, uh, just buy a DCA with the money, personally, is my view. Um, a couple of guys are shitcoin mining with, uh, with uh, video cards in their computer to buy Ethereum and then flip it for Bitcoin, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, no one, no one that I know, at least, is mining right now. It's kind of this road to sovereignty in this thing because... I mean, we're, we've been longtime cold card users. Uh, we're running our own nodes. We're routing our cold cards through our own nodes, you know, but that's something that's happened over, over years and a lot of messing with this protocol and using it. So you got to be careful with the cold storage thing. I mean, we're constantly barking like cold store your Bitcoin, but we're also saying there's a large disclaimer saying, don't do it until you're ready. And uh, that, that just comes with experimenting and time. Um, but yeah, we, we have a lot of dudes cold storing their Bitcoin on cold cards at our fire department. I would say we have the highest cold card per capita usage of any fire department in For the sure. in the United States. <laughs> I think there's no argument, no argument on that point. What, what is uh, uh, significant others? What are, what are their thoughts on all this stuff? Is this just like oh, like my husband, mm. boyfriend, you know, whoever, uh, and his crazy friends and like at the firehouse and let's just ignore this or ha- has this spilled over? I, I think I see, uh, quite a bit of, uh, Bitcoin paraphernalia all in the backgrounds of, uh, of both of your shots. So it seems like maybe <laughs> this has infiltrated the home as well. <laughs> yeah. We're, we, yeah, we're both married. We have kids. Josh has two. I have one. I actually have another one on the way April Got 1st, which baked. is what is absolute bullshit that it's coming April 1st because I'm not going to be at Bitcoin 2022. <laughs> um, I tell you, I messed up, man. I Hey, word to the wise here. You got to keep the wife at arm's length nine months before this conference because this is, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is bad timing. Um, I think our, our wives trust us. You know what I mean? We're, we've been disciplined, non-impulsive investors for a long time and They've, um, they've they've also watched the number go up over the last yeah. five years, so they're yeah. okay with it. Um, I think my wife might watch the price of Bitcoin more than I do. I actually think she, I know she does, which is hilarious. Is she watching it because uh, it's part of her paying attention to like what's going on in the market, or is she oh, watching no, 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 it like no. calculating it in her like, head? 
it's criticizing me when it's not going well. And then <laughs> like, <laughs> on the other end, it works the other way. You know, it's a double-edged sword. It's all right. Yeah. If, if it makes you guys feel any better, uh, when, uh, when my daughter was born, my brothers over here said, uh, that I was screwed. And, uh, my wife reminded everyone that, uh, the baby cannot receive Bitcoin yet. And so, uh, I feel like every family, uh, as they get educated on this stuff, it becomes obvious, right? Yeah. In, in terms of, uh, how valuable it is. I think having kids has made me even more interested in this, which is, which has demonstrated to me how important it is because I want to provide for my family. I want to have a stable situation for all of us and to pass on. And, um, I think in some ways that's been a good introspective checkpoint of having been a dad for a couple of years. I'm actually taking this more seriously than I was before. Yeah. Dan and I've talked a lot too about how funny it's going to be in the future when either this podcast recording is still around and like our grandkids listen to it and either a grandpa was a complete idiot or b grandpa was a genius there's going to be no middle ground there's going to be none. maybe it'll be both maybe like damn grandpa maybe. and his friend was an absolute moron but at least they bought bitcoin <laughs> yeah. hey hey so i got i got a question i gotta get in for the three of you and right. uh this is this is the most important question of the segment um i'm out we'll see. okay so we'll just brace yourself so Fight breaks out in the pop house. I win. Okay. Down <laughs> hold on. Hold on. These guys. Oh, that was easy. I'm not going to stop in a toilet seat. Fight, let's, let's fight breaks the, uh, out. Hold on. Fight breaks out today. Not 2015, not 2005, yeah. not in the glory days. Okay. Today. Get up and do it. This isn't, this isn't noogies and Charlie horses. This gets <laughs> real. This goes to the floor. Their tempers are flaring. Emotions are high. Rank the brothers, not just top dog, rank them top to bottom for us. There's, all, there's okay. only two people in this room that are hitting the floor and they're sitting next to each other uh, over there. I was just going to say, I'm top dog. The other two don't matter. <laughs> 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 no, I don't know if you guys have uh, uh, siblings or, or brothers, but we have five boys in our family. And uh, what used to happen, there's two things that were important. First was when fights would break out, you, it was kind of like the geopolitical chaos going on right now. Like if you weren't involved in the fight, you better pick sides quickly <laughs> because you could get caught in the, uh, in the crossfire. Yeah. So it was like, all right, who I think is going to win, who I think is right. And it kind of uh, all that happened. The second thing is that uh, there's this amazing story where uh, I don't know how my dad thought this was a good idea, but he bought uh, two pairs of boxing gloves at one point. Uh, Joe and John were probably, I don't know, five and seven or something like that. And uh, uh, myself and my two other brothers are older. And so we decided that it would be a genius idea to give our two youngest brothers, Joe and John, boxing gloves. I took one of them as like I was going to be the corner man. Another brother took one as the corner man. <laughs> and then the fifth brother was the referee. This lasted for under 30 seconds. Obviously, the difference between a five and a seven year old is like pretty significant at that oh, age. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Joe punched John. And as soon as one, literally one time, one swing, as soon as John got hit, he just looked at all of us and went, like, oh, shit, he's about to cry. <laughs> and it was just like, keep him from running upstairs and telling our parents. And he had a, a bloody nose. He ran upstairs. Boxing gloves never made an appearance in our house ever again. Yeah, that's right. Your boy gave him a bloody nose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, wh when's the last time things got chippy in the pomp household? Like that some wine going like like Thanksgiving? Nah, there hasn't been a bloody yeah. nose in a while, but there's, yeah, there's some some verbal sparring for sure. That goes on. <laughs> <laughs> who's, the, who's the guy who's punching someone in the balls when they're losing? Nah, like this is no? the thing is when, well, no, uh, when, when you're, when you're uh, brothers, 
growing up the way that we did, there was basically two rules. One was you ain't go too low because that was like that that was like you you disrespected yeah, it's just not cool. And then the second one was we never punch each other in the face because mm, that would leave yeah. obvious damage <laughs> that would then lead to more punishment from our parents. But everything else was fair game. Throw things, tackle, whatever we could do, we did. Which now I'm going to flip it on you guys. What goes on with the fist fights inside the firehouse? <laughs> We know what we haven't had like a knockdown throw out brawl, but there's definitely like wrestling that goes on. Like somebody will somebody will do something stupid or say something stupid, get tossed over a lazy boy and go to the ground, you know, just for some wrestling, like no punching, none of that. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Who's going to hold if, out? Obviously, if our chiefs are listening, we're totally kidding. Um, <laughs> we, we have some, I do. I do have another. Uh, I have a firehouse dilemma for you guys. All right. So this is like a little bit of like what goes on at the coffee table. Of course, not at our organization. No, other organizations surrounding us. No, none of us. But um, so you guys have two choices. There's two doors to choose from. Door A is Janet Yellen in lingerie, dolled up, hot and bothered, ready for the, the, the three of you guys to enter door A. <laughs> door B is Christine Lagarde swinging in a Chinese basket. Which one of you guys choosing? <laughs> a or B, boy. Is there a C? <laughs> no, that's it, man. I can't wait to be a firefighter. I'm definitely going to become a firefighter. <laughs> the, uh, th that sounds like a lose-lose to yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, That's this, like the situation the Fed is yeah. in right now, man. Rocking a hard place. <laughs> well, yeah, no, lose, lose, it's like inflation or recession. Pick your poison, yeah. of course. The, the old yelling Lagarde uh, <laughs> rocking a hard place Fed dilemma. <laughs> people, are, uh, people are putting the throw-up emojis in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> But, well, I'm sure Lagarde gets down. She's European, you know. <laughs> Listen, the, the one thing that I will say is uh, uh, in the military, there was always uh, uh, Mary kill, right? As the, oh, yeah, as yeah. the three uh, as the three options. And that, that game goes to some weird places real fast in conversation. Yes, it does. Sure does. So know it well. uh, uh, I'm not going to answer, which is me bitching out. Uh, but uh, <laughs> well, the people in the chat are seem to be answering. They said, what's, uh, what's the poll going to? What are we calling uh, here? The, they said Lagarde is, is kind of spicy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's some some nonsense going on in here, but she seems like the winner. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let the community go ahead. Yeah. A little community engagement right. project for today. Um, all right, where can we send people to uh, to listen to the podcast and uh, and find you guys on the internet? If uh, I guess you guys technically aren't on the internet as much as the podcast on the internet. Yeah, we uh, we're active on Twitter way more than we should be. We're at blue underscore collar BTC. Our wives like hate Twitter at this point. Like That's we're so. Right. Glee, you know, I'm sure everybody's been through this, but it's, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun to engage both seriously and jokingly on there. And then we have episodes coming out weekly. We're on every podcast platform, blue collar Bitcoin podcast. Awesome. Now I, I will say one other thing is, uh, as, uh, as firemen, obviously you need to be well rested, which is, uh, exactly what our sponsor eight sleep does mm. is help people be well rested because they have a thermoregulated mattress. What do you? What is your guys' sleep schedule? Are you? Do you guys get eight hours, or is this like one of these things where uh, uh, you're getting woken it's, up all the time? Uh, when we're when we're on shift, it's almost always guaranteed you're getting up at least once in the middle of the night. You might get lucky once or twice a month and actually get some sleep, but um, that's why we have two days off so we can come home and get some sleep. Yeah, 
It's a, one thing that's uh, I'm handicapped on every episode because I'm coming off a poor night's rest and Josh is well rested. We're on different shifts. So I'm always coming out. Like I was on duty last night. We only got up once, which was nice, but uh, man, sleep, any, you talk to any fireman, we love our sleep. Like when we're at home for those two nights in between shift out like a freaking light because they have an eight sleep mattress. (laughs) Yes. Hey, we'll give you our addresses. Yeah. You can have them send them over. We'll test them out. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, you guys are the only two smart podcast guests we have ever had who realized that, yeah, that would probably be a smart ass. We've got mattresses. test them. We've got like between our, the three firehouses in our town, we've probably got around 30 mattresses guys are on. So if you could just give us a 30 spot pump, uh, we'll give you the address. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, not not an issue at all. We'll just uh, not sell any of our Bitcoin to try to send you guys mattresses. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it. Awesome. All right. Anyone who has not listened to the podcast, please go listen to it. As much as we're joking around here, uh, both of you guys have a very strong uh, understanding of economics and, and kind of really just money in general and kind of what's going on in the world. I've been uh, been pretty impressed. Um, so please keep up the uh, the great work and uh, know they don't have any, uh, any bed bugs. And uh, people in the audience are saying you guys are hard workers, which is bullshit because just because you have a mustache doesn't mean that you're a hard worker. Right, but right that, that is start true. growing them, boys. <laughs> Take that thing off, John, Joe, Anthony. Let's go get these things rolling. It's the new laser eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be caught without it down in Miami. I love you it. Get the laser stash to get that thing off. <laughs> Thanks right, for guys. having us, guys. We enjoyed every minute of it. All right, yeah, we'll absolutely. definitely do this Thank again you. in the future. Keep doing what you're awesome. doing. Thanks, right, guys. Later, guys. Nice. See ya, legends. Thanks so much for listening into the show. If you enjoyed this discussion, be sure to like or subscribe on whatever app you're using for podcasts or on YouTube. And if you have an extra minute, go ahead and leave us a review. We are also active on Twitter at blue underscore collar BTC. And our email address is blue collar Bitcoin podcast at gmail.com. We invite questions, comments, or inquiries of any kind. We look forward to you joining us again on the BCB podcast. Thank <laughs> you.